Every time I turn around, he seems to be celebrating your goal. Alan is meant to be the difference in the Champions League. To. You know, they want one when it's a tight semi-final. He'll score one in a tight semi-final too. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. The Football Kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. All right, you're very welcome along to this week's episode of the Football Kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you turn on notifications, we'll let you know whenever we're going live, which is generally on Friday mornings at half past 11. I'm delighted to say Keith Tracy is back with us. Also, Phil Egan. Lads, you're both very welcome. Thanks very much. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Uh, you never got you, no bank holidays, really, in football. No, everybody else celebrating around you, and you're all like, we've got to work. Yeah, well, you get used to it, though. You just. Get your head down. It's better than going up to the parade. I, I, my wife wants me to go up to the parade tomorrow, but thankfully I have a bit of work on the go, so I don't have to go. So, yeah, I'm used to just avoiding the, the St. Paddy's Day parade and Do doing a bit of work. Yeah, four kids all together, three in the gaff at the minute, so I'll be up in O'Connell Street tomorrow. And they want to go to the parade? My wife wants to go to the parade. I think she's going to make right. everybody else go, so thankfully I have, a, I have an avenue that I don't have to go. So You have the excuse of work, okay. I'm, um, we're definitely in two minds about the bringing kids to the parade thing. I'm not... Not quite sure about it. Well, I was there. I was only telling uh, Phil. I was there last year. I was got there nice and early, and about two minutes before the parade started, somebody came with a stepladder and literally stood oh, in front of me. So I just looked at somebody's back for the whole time. So yeah, I'm not very motivated to go up to it. So thankfully, I can hide a bit of work. TV. It's on TV, Jer. I mean, that's definitely like, and it's not just me saying that. The kids are saying that too. Can we not watch this on TV? I'm like, I mean, I'm kind of in favour of that. Yeah, I think that's the way to go. Uh, we are, of course, uh, streaming live on Thursday, so normally we're on a Friday. I wasn't sure if we were going out live, but it turns out we are. So hello to uh, all of our live viewers and uh, happy Thursday and slash Friday to you. Uh, let's start with the, the games this week. Uh, tomorrow night, Friday the 17th of March on St. Patrick's Day. Forest versus Newcastle is live at 8 o'clock on Sky Sports. On Saturday, Southampton Spurs is at the 3 o'clock kickoff on Premier Sports. Wolves and Leeds and Chelsea Everton is half five on Sky. And then on Sunday... Big game, Arsenal versus Palace, which is live and off the ball with Stephen Doyle and Kenny Cunningham on duty for that one. Let's start with the Arsenal one because I think it's um, real fascination time to see exactly how they're going at the moment. Uh, the truth seems to be that they're sticky and they now have some strength and depth with Gabriel Jesus coming back. Uh, Trossard has been a brilliant signing. We knew he would be, but we weren't quite sure if he'd fit in straight away. So I'm not, I'm not saying they're home by any stretch of the imagination, but it's theirs to lose now. <laughs> mm, I'm not so sure about that I st- they still have to go they've got some huge away games they play City I think they play Liverpool as well they have to go to Newcastle there's some huge huge games to come but look I, I, I'm very reluctant to get on board and it's not because I don't think Arsenal have been brilliant I think they've been the best team in the league so far but Manchester City just have all the form and we all know they have another gear to hit and not many teams would do what they did during the week to score 7 in the Champions League and just put RB Leipzig to one side you know not many teams can do that so look it's all looking good for Arsenal Gabriel Jesus coming back into the squad Trossard looks brilliant and that was one thing I wanted to highlight you know Arsenal got the last minute goal against Villa got the last minute goal against Bournemouth they wanted Mudrick didn't end up getting Mudrick but ended up with Trossard even then Arsenal seemed to have fallen on their feet with Mudrick uh, not getting uh, Mudrick and getting Trossard a hat-trick of uh, assist against Fulham and I heard them the commentary uh, against Fulham and they were described as smooth as silk and that's probably the best way I could put it as smooth as silk some of the passing is lovely it's beautiful football and it could have been 5-0 at half time 
and Fulham aren't a team that get rolled over very easy these no, days. So we, we thought they'd be tricky. Exactly, yeah. So look, a huge, huge, uh, huge compliments to Arsenal. I still don't believe it's in their hands. I still think City will go and find the gear, but the longer City stay in that Champions League, the more hope there is for Arsenal, I think. So it's actually better for them that City are putting up those performances yep. uh, against Leipzig and then having a little bit of sense of after the Lord Mayor's show, oh, this is like a pissant little Premier League game. We already, we, All of us have medals. Does anybody not have medals? Any Phillips, Haaland, obviously, yeah. yeah. Mm. Although he did say after the game the other night, he said, I was brought here to win the Champions League. They know how to win the Premier League. I mean, I think that's true. Yeah. I do think that's true. And I think we're seeing them trying something different. And like Pep's giant brain is like slightly going into overdrive here. Um, Is it better? Is it better for Arsenal then? Uh, We'll know tomorrow whenever you're, if you're watching this today. Is it better for Arsenal not to progress in the Europa League? Like, I'm definitely in two minds about this. Yeah. Create the winning culture. Every game's, you know, you're like Man United in the treble winning season. Or you're like a team who's just desperate to win their first league. And then nothing matters except the league. I think you just take it game by game <clears throat> you know whatever game is next you play it you try and win it um, I don't think Arsenal can pick and choose um, City can pick and choose City have dominated the Premier League they're probably a little bit bored of winning the Premier League and you ask any of the fans they want the Champions League so I think hopefully hopefully Manchester City get to the semis or get to the final of the, the Champions League take their eye off the Premier League a little bit maybe there's one or two injuries and Arsenal just go and, and keep doing what they're doing and they're brilliant but Look, I, I don't think we could say that if Arsenal do go on to win the league that they've only won it because Manchester City have took their eye off the ball. No. Yeah, they, look, if Arsenal win it, they've been outstanding, they deserve to win it. And Look, I'm an Arsenal fan and I want the Champions League football at the start of the season. Where I think we're clearly, clearly going to do that. So, look, I'm delighted with how it's going. I don't want to get too greedy and say if we don't win the league, I'm going to be disappointed. I didn't expect this. The Zinchenko, Jesus, Shaka, Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard absolutely outstanding and all of a sudden we've we've learned how to defend as well and we yeah. look like we've a good goalkeeper as well which is not something we usually associate with Arsenal The the Mudrick-Trossard thing is, is really interesting like um, I can see Mudrick going on to have an even better Premier League career than Trossard but right now at this specific yeah. moment getting somebody with Premier League experience who's a little bit chippy about the fact that he's no longer at Brighton has been really good for them Yeah and also even Jorginho coming in they wanted Casado they didn't get him but Arsenal have decided in January that they're going to do whatever it takes to make sure they have the best chance of winning the league. They're not going to say, oh, do you know what? We'll wait till the summer and we'll bring in this player. They've decided like they had to move and obviously Trossard has worked out. Jorginho is not in the team now because Partey is back, but... Jorginho had a crucial role in that third goal against Aston Villa. It was it was an own goal, but it came off the back of an absolute stunning shot. It wasn't going in without him, yeah. Exactly. So, um, you know, they haven't taken any chances. And Saliba, we, we obviously knew he had a good season with Marseille and there was all this talk. Was Arteta going to bring him back? Ramsdale, I have to ha- hold my hands up. I When he was signed, I thought it was a strange one. And even when he came in, I was thinking, is this guy going to be the answer for Arsenal? He's been unbelievable this season for them. And I keep watching games thinking, where's the the, the, the mistake going to come in? But he doesn't make too many mistakes. And, you know, he's pulled off some really good saves. If, yeah, I think if Arsenal don't win it from here, I don't think it's a case that the they're going to bottle it. I, I think that the fact that they're still here means that they're they've shown that they have what it takes. But... They're one game away, just one draw even, and then it's back in City's hands. That's how close it is. But I think it's so important that they obviously get the result on 
Sunday and they get the job done because we all just presumed that they were going to hockey Bournemouth and then they, they they got the win whereas I actually felt the Fulham game was going to be a tricky one Yeah, I would imagine you're playing the most out of form team in the Premier League at the weekend in Palace in Palace yeah, yeah. it's at home you'd imagine it's three points and that could be the end then for Patrick Vieira yeah yeah uh, that's the ball game though from Vieira's perspective right yeah look Palace haven't been great you haven't won a game this year but when you look at their, their performances the performances have been okay but like we say I've been saying this for 12 14 games now they're playing okay again played okay during the week but end up getting beaten so look I, I just hope Arsenal don't don't go and mess this up when you when you go when you expect them to go and win <coughs> excuse me against a team who hasn't won Zaha's going to be coming back into the team I know he is back in but he'll be starting to find his feet again after his injury so this is one of them tricky ones for Arsenal I'm sure Mikel Arteta will be telling them this is a London derby Palace haven't won they're fighting for their lives let's just not let this slip here because we can all, if, if City go and beat Arsenal and then you lose to a Newcastle away or a Liverpool you can sort of stomach that as an Arsenal fan to go and get beat by Crystal Palace and it come down to something like that would really leave a sickening, uh, sickening taste in the mouth I don't know if you saw this during the week but he was talking about how his bench aren't substitutes anymore uh, they're impactors I'm like I think I've seen this in other sports before Michael this isn't actually your invention He's borrowing from the rugby playbook, uh, Clive Woodward and his finishers. Yeah, but it also Brandon Jones and his finishers. The, the five five substitutes has meant this is a possibility that you have to have good backup. And Ted Hag has obviously masterminded some great substitutions this season. Sometimes I look. Pep doesn't even use them because he's so good. Yeah, and then I've looked at I look at someone like Klopp who. His substitutions have been absolutely awful this season, and he did it again against Real Madrid, where you're looking at. Sometimes do you wonder are they told this player X player X has such amount of minutes in their legs and you have to take them off after a certain time because but he has options but he mentioned even when Jesus came on last week he said he's not a guaranteed starter to come back in and the beauty of Trossard is it's moved Martinelli into the centre they can switch as well but Martinelli started scoring goals again well, I was going to say, what do you put the uh, the recent uptick in form and are there patterns of play emerging from that attacking style that we're seeing from Arsenal at the moment that you can explain to us or that have impressed you? Well, the big one for me is uh, the Swiss sentiment failure, Shackett in the middle. I know he, uh, he, at one point, probably going back two or two years ago when he was getting booed off the pitch and he had a pop back at the fans, you know, that wasn't looking Palace good. Against Palace as well. Against it? Palace, yeah. yeah. So look, you're on the way out when that happens. Like, that, that's what times out of 100, 100, you're on the way out and somehow he's still here and they're... And to be fair, when people, when he did that, people were thinking he's on the way out. I don't think Arsenal fans really were bothered about it. Like, yeah, get him out then. But he's just all of a sudden started playing a little bit higher. Martinelli's hit the ground. Saka looks like a wall beater over there. And even in Ketia, when Ketia's come in after Jesus, he's he's done really well. I know he's injured again at the minute, but he's took up the mantle. And these these players that maybe there was question marks, oh he's a good he's a good squad player, but if we need him, can he actually do it for us? Everything is just torn up so so well. And like I say, just look you say you weren't you weren't convinced about Ramsdale. I wasn't convinced about Ben White going in a centre half and then when he played a couple of games he got bullied, moved out to right back looks like a great decision on paper it's, I wouldn't have been happy doing that because he, he is a centre half but like a duck to water at right back and everything is just falling really really well for Arsenal 
they've had a, a little bit of ups and down. I, I was I was reluctant to call that even a, a blip when they got when they got uh, two city games and yeah. city game. Yeah, but I think if Villa had beaten them, it would have been a full blown blip. But the fact that they were able to come back from that, it is one of those sliding doors moments for a season where you're like, no, hang on a second, we're not just going to get sucked into the way previous teams that Arsenal would have or other teams who are shooting out of the pack to be title contenders. We've seen it with so many teams in the past. Yeah, well, the, the one thing, the two things that stand out for me about these two teams is Arsenal are in that winning feel and they just expect to win football games when they go out now. And I think Palace are going out there hoping they win, but probably expecting to lose because winning's a habit and losing is a habit and Palace are in that losing habit. So if I was Mikel Arteta on Sunday, I'd be telling Arsenal, start really high tempo, 20 minutes, get a goal, put these on the back foot and they won't want to be here anymore. Yeah, get it. Don't drag them into the deep water early on and move on. So that game is uh, Sunday live and off the ball. Stephen Doyle and Kenny Cunningham on duty for that one. Tomorrow night's game is Forest against Newcastle. Is there life in Newcastle yet, Phil? That was a big, big win for them last weekend. That was their their first win since the middle of January in the league when they when they beat Fulham. And they've only lost three league games this season. One against City, two against Liverpool. So they're still hard to beat, but they're obviously dropping points or drawing too many games. But they have a few big games to come at St. James's Park. You mentioned that they have to play Arsenal. They still have to play Spurs there. They still have to play United. They play United actually after the international break. So it is in their hands if they're able to win any of those games, they certainly have a chance. I do feel though they kind of almost look like they're just, they've run out of steam a bit that they're still going to be hard to beat, but they'll probably draw too many games. I'm kind of leaning towards Tottenham now that Tottenham not because of their quality but just chasing pack can't catch them with Conte as the manager for the rest of the season bizarre yeah even like you saw him even last weekend and he was full of the the joys again celebrating goals he'd been doing the tourist stuff with his wife there were photographs on on her Instagram of them like seeing the sights which is I mean obviously they can do what they want in their spare time but like you think they might have done that up before this do you know what I mean like okay it's time for us to say goodbye we're going back to it's like we better, you know, do the sights. Oh, we were we've lost time. No, no, this is this is it now. The clock is ticking. Yeah, that's what it felt yeah. like. Mm. Well, look, I'm I'm sure we'll get into Spurs, Southampton, and Spurs in a little bit. But <clears throat> this is coming from an Arsenal fan. But I'm not sure what what more Spurs fans want. They're sitting fourth in the league. They're a couple of points off Manchester. Any old trophy, any old trophy. Also, you want to be entertained. I know this that great big stadium. Like at least give it. Like, some of their games have been turgid this season, and it's not as if they don't have good players. They do have some really exciting players, but Conte is just very rigid in how he sets the team up, and it can be effective, especially against bigger teams. But sometimes it's just like, what are they waiting for? Like, how disappointing were they against AC Milan? I, I, I take that point but look if, if they're sitting fourth in the league yeah. in terms of the squad Manchester United are above them Arsenal and City are above them you know they're not better than any of them teams on paper so for me they've probably reached the glass ceiling maybe they could go and catch United they're not catching Arsenal they're not catching City Arsenal and City are way way better teams than them so look for me the sports fans I know it's not pretty on the eye but the grass is not always greener you get a, say a Pochettino to come back in the door and start trying to play sexy football you could easily find yourself unstuck again and start filtering down the league so for me I think the sports fans although it's not pretty on paper they're getting results they're in a decent position in the league they've got points on the board the front three are very very good but when you take that front three out that becomes a bang average sports squad for me I have to be honest so look I think the sports fans should be happy with what they have 
So look, fourth in the league, a couple of points behind United. I think they're probably overachieving at the minute when you think of Liverpool and Chelsea are to come back into that as well. They're, Maybe not this season, but in general. They're away at Southampton on Saturday afternoon. That game is at three o'clock on Premier Sports. Um, are, we, are we finished with Forest Newcastle? Do you think they're going to get Forest, a result? If Forest are going to stay up, it's obviously down to their home form. Yeah. You covered the Forest-Everton game. Yeah. And Brennan Johnson was key to Forest and he's an injury doubt for this game. Yeah. So, obviously, Chris Wood can't play because he's on loan from Newcastle. So, it's, um, yeah, no, it's looking at their fixtures. I, I, I if Newcastle it, are to finish in top four, these are the types of games that you've got to pick up win. three points in. Yeah. yeah. But I've, I actually think, I, I know we're, we've been talking about the title race, but the relegation scrap between now and the end of the season is going to be unbelievable. We mentioned Palace. They're on 27 points. Anyone from them down can go down. And like, look at some of the clubs in there. Like some massive clubs with serious pedigree in the, the West Premier Ham. League. West Ham. Look, they've gone down before. Everton had the, the great escape last season. They look like like that was a massive win for them last week against against Brentford. All their wins under Sean Dyche have been one nils at Goodison. And maybe that's how they stay up. But with, with Forrest, I'm looking at them, they have 26 points. Probably need... I thought they were safe two weeks ago. Yeah, but now all of a sudden you're like, what is the what is the cutoff point? Do you think is the, like the is the cutoff point going to be really low or really high this year? I can't. I like it feels like everybody's picking up points at a higher rate than they would have done previously. But they're obviously taking points off each other. So is like thirty three going to be a magic number? Thirty four this year? Forty was always the magic number. But I'm looking at say Forest now. They're on twenty six. If they got the thirty eight, would that be enough for them? So that's that's four wins they need from their last twelve games. That's doable. And also, I know they've the worst away record in the in the Premier League, but they have say a trip to Leeds. They've they've got a good record against Leeds. That goes back to the Championship. They seem to enjoy playing Leeds. Surely they'll pick up a win away from home. So can they win three more home games? And you kind of think they should be all right. Yeah, I, I I was listening to Steve Cooper yesterday speaking about Brendan Johnson and he was saying that he came off with a, with a groin strain mm. and with muscle injuries you don't usually turn around that quickly but he's saying I'm not totally ruling him out yet and I think he just needs to be careful with Brendan Johnson because he's a big, big, he's, I think he's seven goals in the Premier League already he's, he's vital to what Forrest do so if Steve Cooper was to get tempted and throw him in against Newcastle and he gets another little niggle and he's set back for a month yeah. that would be the worst case scenario for me so... Even if Forrest can say, listen, we won't play Brendan Johnson, <clears throat> if you haven't got Chris Wood either, I know it's a big miss, but I would be wrapping him in cotton wool saying, you just make sure you're fit for it. In particular, the home games, we can probably let the Newcastle one go, but we need Brendan Johnson fit. If he was to get a serious injury and be out for a month, they'd be looking over their shoulders. Uh, a quick a quick Google on this. So uh, take this with a tiny pinch of salt. In the 2020-21 season, any team who had 29 points or more, that was enough to stay up. I don't think that's going to do it for you this season. The average over the last, uh, since the start of the Premier League, is 35.6. That's what the, the last team to get relegated, on average, that's what they get. So if you get over that, you've been safe on average. With the one exception of that one time that West Ham got 42 points and still got sucked back down. Did they get points deducted that year or did they not get points deducted? That was another year, wasn't it? Oh, you're thinking they, they, they stayed up. When Carlos Tevez. Tevez scored yeah. at Old Trafford. Yeah. I, I think, looking at even like Southampton last night, that was they could have moved out of the bottom three but they didn't win. But they, you know, they're competitive. All these teams now are competitive in games. I've mentioned Leeds since Gracia has come in. They obviously, that was a good draw they got against Brighton last weekend. It, there's, everyone is just scrapping it. I just think it's going to be a brilliant finale to the season at that end of the table. 
And flaky Spurs, like, this is exactly one of those games where it's nil all. And, you know, there's a good but not great performance or there's a brilliant performance from Bazunu and that, that's enough. Like, I don't expect Spurs to win this game even though they'll be favourites for it. Uh, <coughs> I, you, I do, you do expect them to win? I expect yeah. them to win. I don't expect it to be easy. I think it'll be more of a grinding result. They'll go there, it'll be touch tackle, it'll be really... They won't concede goals, they won't give any chances up and they'll just let the game linger and linger and linger and I think in the last 20 minutes, cool as FC Kane or so on, somebody will go and do something and win the game for them. And Sports for me, they're very good individuals but as a team, they don't they don't gel as well and there just seems to be so much unrest outside the club. Is Conte staying? Is he going? And for me, when you, when you I keep going back to when you look at the paper, on paper where they are at the table, the points they have, I don't know what more the sports fan want and I know they want pretty football they want attractive football but it's not as easy as that and they're not as good f- as at playing football as Manchester City or Arsenal so why would you try and beat teams like that when you're not as good as them it's uh, not a bad position for them to be in fourth at the moment if they're still yeah, fourth I, it's a great job uh, in the summer for whoever gets it and they can all go, yeah yeah you did a good job steadied the ship got us yeah. back into the, the Champions League in successive years Harry Kane is either staying or going but at least we know what the scenario is and everybody's happy but if they don't it's not as easy to convince Luis Enrique or Tuchel or whoever to take the gig is it? No Champions League football next season? Um, I, th- I don't know I think it'd be an attractive job I I think they should stay away from Pochettino I don't think it'd be a good thing to go back there um, I think sometimes the, the issue I would have with Spurs is I get the way they're set up but sometimes they don't engage at all with opposition teams and it's almost like it takes conceding a goal to spark them into life like it's a training session and that's that's not a good but that's not a reflection of of Conte at all like he's a vicious competitor yeah why does that happen is it a case that players are not aware are they playing with fear are they unaware of their roles or when they go a goal down the kind of shackles come off because they say well we're going to lose so we might as well have a go somebody was in question in the dressing room wondering if like the character of the dressing room is strong enough the senior players to like to actually say this is like we should be much better mm. why are we not performing why are we conceding goals from like on the break and from corner kicks why is this happening <laughs> I, I'm not too sure but again like I, I keep going back to it I know defensively they're really really rigid at the start of the games it's like they need to feel the other team's power before they start trying to trying to score goals and clicking the final tour but Spurs have scored 49 goals which is 8 more than Manchester United they've won the same amount of games as Manchester United yet the feelings between the two clubs like everybody's saying oh, it's, uh, United are having a decent season under 10 Hag he's steadied the ship they're doing well Spurs are scored 8 more goals and won the same amount of games only I think they're 4 points behind Manchester United in the league yet the feeling between the two sets of fans are I really are chalk and cheese. So for me, if if I was Conte, I'd be just saying to the fans, get behind us, push us towards the end. We still could catch United and finish toward. Fair point. I know it's not pretty. You're only two behind, yeah. Maybe, maybe the United fans know that they're getting Harry Kane or something like that. And then <laughs> that will completely change things because, you know, whatever about Spurs, they have, they have good attacking players. And I don't think they have great defenders. Obviously, Romero's their best defender, but he keeps getting sent off. Yeah. Um, so I can see why Conte wants to protect that um, probably lack of strength sometimes at the back but yeah. Bentancourt is a big miss as well he's oh, yeah. the rest of the he was the link from the midfield to the forward and he's not there now and Oliver Skip is he's a 
he's an honest boy. He runs around. He tries his best, but he is a little bit of a downgrade on on Bentancourt. So he he's a big miss as well. Yeah, he? and they brought in Basuma, who everyone just presumed after watching him play for Brighton in the Premier League, he'll just go in because even going back to what Arsenal have done with the recruitment, I saw during the week that is it forty three percent of the players Arteta has signed have been from Premier League clubs. Right. So he's. It goes back to what we said about Trossard. Tried and trusted, yeah. in you go. None of this, oh, I have to give you a few months to see can you fit into the system. Yeah. Like he was good to go, drop him in and look how he's done. They're, they're really reaping the benefit of that. The, the, goal, the goal scoring, it's really interesting. Uh, Man United have scored not a lot of goals. 41 goals they've scored so far. Uh, Brighton have scored more goals than them. Brentford have scored more goals than them and Brentford are eighth and Brighton are seventh. Um, the one thing, I'm just looking at Chelsea here and we'll talk about them next. Uh, Chelsea have only conceded 26 goals Arsenal have conceded 25 and Manchester City have conceded 25 so a lot of the stuff they're doing is reasonable but they've only scored 27 goals which makes them the lowest goal scorers by far all the way down to Crystal Palace who obviously as we've been talking about can barely score it, uh, Chelsea are just about averaging a goal a game which is disastrous for them but yeah. have they turned a corner? It it looks like that, yeah. It looks like they're starting to find some form. They've three wins on the bounce, two clean sheets. But the, the big one for me is I don't think Graham Potter knows his best team just yet. I think there's been that many bodies coming into the build and it, it's so, so difficult. And you, you start breaking into the stats and the XG for, for Chelsea in games is actually quite good. It's quite high, the expected goals, but they're just not taking their chances. And Look, I know Aubameyang's there and... I know how that finished at Arsenal it didn't seem to click at, at Barcelona either for him and at Chelsea now he's not really getting a look in so he, he just seems to be a man in limbo at the minute they've, they've a, an injury list as long as my arm Chelsea Thiago Silva is obviously a huge miss as well and Golo Kante hasn't played a lot this season and there's been a lot of underperformers as well Raheem Sterling only four goals Mason Mount three goals they're so, so talented, them two boys. To be coming out with seven goals between them two, I think Graham Potter will be having a word with them, demanding more uh, higher standards for them, demanding goals and assists. And look, Chelsea have the bones of a very, very good team there. I think Graham Potter just needs more time on the training ground with them to drill them, get his best 11. And I think at the minute, there's a little bit of Graham Potter trying to keep everybody happy rather than just getting his start at 11 and saying, these are my boys. If somebody's injured or somebody impresses me, he's will come into it. But for me... That's my eleven, and this is how we're going to go. Um, it could still go either way for Grand Potter this year. Yeah, a reasonable draw in the Champions League, an appearance in a semi-final, say, you know, big European nights back at the Bridge, top body, like ah, this is exactly what we're supposed to be doing, and a winning run at the end of the season that takes them to the Europa League, say, and then all of a sudden the mood music changes, and they're like, okay, you know. No, no more signings in the summer. Yeah, or certainly I, I, half I a team I don't goes know out. Bowley will be able to fewer signings re- re- resist from that. But they definitely need to get rid of players. You mentioned Mason Mount. He, it seems that he's on his way out. Um, which I, there's a pathway for this to, for him still to be the manager at the start of next season, though. Definitely, Whereas, yeah. Like five weeks ago, it, three weeks ago, like a few wins, and we're not talking about him anymore. It it's gone from like that. That Dortmund game was huge, obviously, and you know, I I think they. They play with more intensity. I, I, I had a feeling they would because players will realise this is the Champions League that whether we think the manager is good enough for this club, this is the Champions League. The players stepped up and you know they deserve to win that night. But if they got one of the... The way I look at the Champions League now, there's obviously City are favourites. If they got a Napoli or if they got Bayern Munich, would you be... Lights out. 
Yeah. Yeah, straight away. That's a that's a kill shot. But yeah. um, so even like even teams like Benfica, I think Benfica will give Chelsea a serious test. At least you'd give them a chance of getting through. Yeah. I don't think I give them much of a chance against Real Madrid at the moment. No. Um, for Real Madrid, yeah. Um <laughs> they're not bad either. Yeah. <laughs> but they're they're in a tier who would cause trouble for and maybe maybe they do need to be massive underdogs going into one of those games and it's a back to the wall performance and it's like, you know, suddenly he looks like a genius because he's got them through a, a tough time. Maybe that's even better for his career in the long run. Um, this is a test, obviously, a test of their physicality of of their balls, basically. Like, yeah. do they have the gumption to be able to deal with the physical challenge, which isn't as bad as we might have expected from Everton and from Sean Dyche, but he's certainly getting more from the team. Yeah, and look, that's the, that's the first thing that Sean Dyche will say in the Everton dressing room is that he, he believes there's a, a soft underbelly to this Chelsea team if you if you bring them into deep water you make them do the horrible part of the game make them close people down get them running towards their own goal and look I, I think this will actually play into Everton's hands this game I think Chelsea will dominate the ball Everton average only 43% possession which I think is probably a good thing for them I don't think they want to have too, the ball too much I think they want to press and counter press teams win the ball high up and go and hoard them from there and the, the good thing under Sean Dyche we were saying where the goal is going to come from they're nicking games 1-0 defensively they're very very rigid Demarley Gray has four goals he looks like the man who's going to who's going to come to the forefront and start firing some goals in McNeil jumped in with a goal last uh, last week as well so Sean Dyche should be saying if we can score one goal in every game till the end of the season then the defenders will be able to do the rest for us but to, ch- to go back to Graham Potter if he was to lose this game against Everton that bad feeling just creeps straight, straight back away in, doesn't it yeah. yeah it's like we haven't built on anything there's no but they do have a glittering array of attacking talent and it looks like they're starting to create chances they do but if, if you were to tell me you know which type of team would do I not want Chelsea to play against I would say a battling team a hard for team a, a stubborn team you know that they, they will uh, struggle to break down I think they'll get chances they will get chances against Everton it's whether or not they can put them away they haven't been putting them away this season and like I say I think Everton will put an awful lot of balls into the box they'll put the two ch- the two Chelsea centre-halves under all sorts of pressure and any sort of second balls they'll be there or thereabouts and the midfield all of a sudden looks really good with the core Adrissa Gay and Onana those three in there can get around the pitch they can defend well and they can eat up the ground and you see the core as well uh, done really well against Forrest and Seamus Coleman uh, looking at it from Irish eyes against Forrest he was brilliant up and down the right wing all day long so mm. a lot a of busy, pluses He could have a busy afternoon ahead of him because Ben Chilwell has been mm. very good and if you're Everton do you just let Reese James and Ben Chilwell have the ball and say yeah away you go if you want to put crosses into the box because who's going to Havertz you know he, he's not bad in the air but then are you the, going to fancy him to score a header against no, the Everton centre halves yeah so but, but the, those two players Reese James and Ben Shieldwell coming in have been a big help and like it's it's not rocket science your best players are on the pitch you've, you've a better chance but the lack of goals is something that Potter had at Brighton it is yeah exactly since, since he's left Brighton are yeah. they're starting to level out a little bit but they're racking up some big numbers now in fairness to him his last game they scored five against Leicester Brighton's last game under Potter so it's um, yeah. It's no coincidence that I I, I don't know. He, it just looks to me though that like the the Kovacic Fernandez that's beginning to mm. be a relationship. And if you can like if you know an hour in suddenly N'Golo Kante comes on for the last half hour, there is there there's definitely a path for Chelsea to go on a run here where there's a bit of calmness. Chad Felix wants to stay. It looks like yeah. Um, only if they get Champions League. 
Yeah. Which I, we, I don't think, or any of us mentioned them as top four. I don't think so. Uh, like it'd be an amazing run they'd need to basically win every game at this point so they'd probably find it easier to win the Champions League which won't be easy no but again they're not dead in it you know <laughs> definitely not I mean I I think so there's four standout teams in the Champions League left for me and that's Napoli Bayern Real Madrid and City but for all we know the they'd draw each they, other. they could get each other yeah. in the quarterfinals and then the, the two, bad team all the two the Milan clubs Benfica and Chelsea just sneak in on the other side yeah yeah, be interesting. That is that draw tomorrow. That draw is tomorrow after eleven o'clock. Yeah, um, the Ireland squad being named a little bit later on today. Uh, by the time most people listen to this, they'll probably know exactly what the details are. But you mentioned Seamus Coleman there. Like, how did how does he not start the game against France at this stage when he's like one of the few players we have playing week in week out in the Premier League? It'd be, I don't know, I don't know if it'd be a wise decision to drop him at this point, even though he's not the same player he used to be. But like having his wisdom on the pitch, I think at least to start. Yeah, I, I think it's a no-brainer. I, I'd be I'd be more than surprised if Seamus doesn't start against the French. I don't think he, <clears throat> I don't think he play against Lafayette just because he, he's playing uh, at Everton at the minute. He doesn't need the minutes. I think uh, Doherty might get forty-five minutes, maybe sixty minutes, just to get him up to speed, and he'll play against the French as well. I think we'll play five at the back. Maybe Seamus to the right of a tree. Maybe the right wing back. I'm not too sure. Maybe Doherty on the right wing. But I do think we'll double up on Mbappe but you double up on Mbappe you're leaving Dembele on the other side Griezmann's going to be floating about Giroud and Mike Pinar send the halves back look and to be fair <laughs> <laughs> you say it like that I mean I know but look I actually think we'll do okay in the French game I, I don't think we'll win I don't think we'll draw but I think we'll give a fighting performance we'll go out we'll get some sweat on the jersey and it'll be largely accepted because the French are so good what I want to see is us to go and put Lafayette to the sort, you know, a, a lesser team. Let's go and play play a 4-3-3, play through the tours, nice, pretty, attractive football, and then when a big team like France comes, go back to your five at the back. See, I... I, I OK. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually picks his full team for the Lafayette game to give them a run-out, at least for the, the start of it. An hour even. You yeah. know, just to get everybody... It's been a long time since we've all been together. This is how Evan's going to make his runs. Mm-hmm. When he makes those runs, you find him. And uh, like, I wouldn't be terribly surprised that happens, which means there'll be no four three three, and we might be a bit like, oh Jesus, what you know? Uh, uh, we could definitely come away from the Lafayette game going, well, this doesn't bode very well. But actually, it's good preparation. So I don't know as a manager, which do you want? Yeah, I, I, I take your point. It's a good point. But the one thing that for me is, if say we throw Coleman in and Evan Ferguson and they come off with a hamstring strain or something, you're, you're just going to put your head in your hands and think, yeah. why did I risk them? Why on earth did I risk them? And yeah. at the end of the day, it's only a friendly. So I, I look, I, I think players as well will know the French game is coming and be thinking, you know, I don't want to put myself in harm's way just this minute. So look, I, I think it'll be a mismatch of a team when we play Latvia, but the French game will be all sorts getting done on the training ground. I think we'll be as strong as we can, obviously, for the French one. But look, we don't need to go and win the game. I think Irish fans are, are smart enough to know that the French are a world-class team and we're up against it. So if we run hard, we have desire, we, we put balls into the box, there is a way we can beat them. Mbappe's going to have an off day. Three or four are going to have to have an off day. We're going to have to play above ourselves. But... Look, I've seen it over the years in Lansdowne that we do beat bigger nations, maybe not so much under Stephen Kenny, but, you know, why not? We were good for an early goal under the trap regime. Who knows, Mbappe might get injured over the weekend. Well, they're playing Holland, aren't they, tomorrow night? Oh, they play, no, they, we've games this weekend and then they play Sorry, Holland. Sorry, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they have the, the Dutch games. Beforehand, yeah. yeah. Who knows, like, you know. That might get them up, that's the only thing, is like, oh, they're, I can't imagine that they're delighted about the fact that they're all back playing international football so quickly mm. after being beaten in a World Cup final and the way and the manner that they were beaten you know like um, I'm basically man of the match in a World Cup final and I don't have the trophy it's like that you know 
Anyway, we'll see. We are uh, clutching at straws. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. That's this week's episode of the Football Kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and we'll see you next week. Happy St. Patrick's Day. The Football Kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.